Clay, I was so close to being vindicated. They opened this episode countdown with Hoshi being captured. They're talking about, we need you to crack codes. I was like, oh my God, I predicted something that a television show is going to do. And the reptile guy was like, we need you to crack the code of the aquatics. I said, God damn it. I was so close. Mm. I think the avians would have been a better code to crack. That's that's a little bit of mythology that I think that uh, it wouldn't have made sense, as you said. But Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Make any but <laughs> yeah, it would like, have been cool. It makes, it, it makes sense. Yes. <laughs> if the code was something other than like a specific text that they got from the uh the website that they run their machine from so they can sign in with their password Mm -hmm. it would make more sense yeah yeah um we 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 learned we learned a lot uh got correction i guess the the zindi planet blew up 120 years ago the insectoid and i was uh, kyle listener kyle informed me of all this the reptilians and the Mm -hmm. uh the insectoids caused this to happen i suppose somehow the guy who sent us to that planet in Anomaly knew all this stuff. Just fill into the blanks. And as always, uh, they just need the code for the aquatics because they are the, the species that we know. So let's take a break. We'll play a clip from this episode, which is called Countdown. And then we'll come back and we'll break it down. Do you understand what we want you to do? I'm to bypass the aquatic encryption protocols. And you realize... We need this done quickly. I'm not familiar with these ciphers. I'm trying. Are you? Countdown is the penultimate episode of the third season. It's the 23rd episode of the third season. It came out on May 19th, 2004. 24 of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc, written by Andre Bormanis and Chris Black, directed by Robert Duncan McNeil in Universe Date. February thirteenth, twenty one fifty four. In this episode, so this is this is the second to last episode. Yeah, there's one more. This episode named Countdown is the second to last episode, which would make this the final episode with that name. Semi-final countdown. That's all I can think about is the rest of the development. Really, in this episode called Countdown, with the help from some from with that, let me try this again. With help from some Zindi factions, the Enterprise crew attempts to stop the arming of the Zindi weapon. They do. Um, what do you think about this one? It's the penultimate. We have zero hour left after this. Um, I liked the, the second half of it. Um, <clears throat> I thought the first half was still too uh, mushy as far as what was at stake and and how they were trying to convince people of stuff um throwing it to my <laughs> throwing it to the uh uh the spirit room to talk to the so the guardians there could talk to each other yeah um that, uh, yeah that stuff was whatever but uh when they finally got into the actual like action be- beats and like the the uh, the thing going through the end I thought was nice. Um, I think it's a decent cliff, even though I was going to say it's a different, decent cliffhanger, but it ends like almost identically to the way the last episode ends. I feel the last four episodes have ended the exact with the thing getting away from them. Yeah. They like, ah, we almost got it that time. We'll have to try again. They keep jumping into a vortex to some indeterminate (laughs) place that just, they show up in the next one. This one, I guess they're headed to earth, which makes sense. Um, Can the, well, never mind. We'll find that out next episode. Um, yeah, it was it was okay. It was uh, 
I, I think it did its job pretty well to get you into that final stretch, get you psyched for the uh, for the last one. I think the 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 haggling the, the aquatics the aquatics indie might be my favorite dumbass species in all of Star Trek just because they're so they're so weird. They they learned English in like a half an hour yeah. in this one, yeah. for, so they didn't have to go through an interpreter. I guess they could have done that earlier too. Um, and they have ships, which I think is hilarious. Yep. Well, the fact that they have these like flying uh, aquariums. Well, we have flying airships. I, I thought it was weird too. I was like, that's kind of silly as fuck. But then I was like, well, we just bottle air. And fly around in it. So I guess it's not really all that different from bottling some water and flying around in it. I don't know. I don't know how they fix things. But, you know, the the best part about the Zindi Aquatics is their ship destruction was fantastic, where it breaks and yeah, the water good. comes yeah. out and it turns into ice once it hits space. So I was like, wow, this is, yeah, this is cool. fantastic. That, that's my favorite moment of the Aquatics. <laughs> Otherwise, the Aquatics to me represent... Uh, the fly by the seat of your pants nature of this, where they've they've given them a a personality trait, which is that they take a long time to decide on things. They're like the mediating moderate faction of the Zindi Council, and they can't decide anything. The the guy mm-hmm. who took Degra's space, who I'll call him Degra Two, who has taken Degra's space, has uh, says that sometimes we ask them like, "What do you want for lunch?" and they don't respond for seven weeks, and by that time, all the food's gone bad, and it's like, okay. Um, they we, also, we always have to get an extra large party sub because they're always <laughs> indecisive about it. <laughs> it's always a half and half pizza. They also um, they they go back. They learn English, right? Which is the one thing. Mm-hmm. And then they also, mm-hmm. for really no story reason other than it's time to move on to the next plot beat, they break their deliberation trait. Archer's like, they're back already. The guy's like, they can't be back already. It's been two hours. They don't decide things in two hours. And then you expect, I watched that scene. I'm like, well, what's going to happen here? Like the aquatics, it's one of those like uh, rules of a jury. When a jury comes back after like 30 minutes of deliberation, you're either incredibly guilty or incredibly innocent. There's like a, a clean cutness right, to it. Right. Um I was expecting a twist, but the aquatics were like, you're right. We'll, we'll side with you. I was like, oh, well. Okay, why were we talking about their deliberative nature for twenty five minutes to get to this point? I, I just think that this um what countdown makes me think of strongly is that it gives me very strong discovery and Picard vibes in that I don't think there's any story in this episode, but there's a whole lot of plot no. that's got that's gotta happen. Yeah. There's a lot of plot that has to happen, but <clears throat> excuse me. I think they do have some nice character moments in here, like the stuff with. Uh, I think they have two. Uh, I would say two moments. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the 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 stuff with the Mako Major is is nice. Um, the scene with T'Pol and and Trip is nice. Uh, I actually liked Archer in this more than I usually do. Uh, at least our, um, on the bridge fight fighting Archer. I liked I liked him a bit more. He was a bit a little bit more convincing in this one. Uh, than than I think he's been in previous ones. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, and I liked I liked him going against the doctor to shuffle Hoshi, wrap her up in a in a baby Bjorn, and schlep her off to the ship so they can go track him down. I that's a good moment. I, again, I, I don't. I'm not totally sure why 
any of that's going on? Like what they're yep. going to try to do or how the how the reptilians managed to use Hoshi to just I guess the aquatics use that passcode also as like the key to get into their phone or something like it's just in the air yeah. for them to get um or how I'm not she's totally a, sure how they managed to get that how she's a computer hacker basically because this isn't just read what yeah. the aquatics wrote down there's, there's a lot there's a lot that I don't really like about this on like a detail level like the reptilians have lived with the aquatics for centuries i have to assume but they can't read their writing somehow like there's no yeah you know know, i don't i don't really buy that and i don't buy they kidnap hoshi to translate something but then when they when they give her the brain slugs or whatever they're like are you finished hacking this and she's like it's level one encryption it's like well hoshi's not a computer hacker engineer character so i don't understand why she's good at doing this kind of a thing I thought what the whole thing was computer all hacking. What is computer hacking if not just learning a different language? It's true. You know what I'm saying? You're learning uh, the planet. Java. <laughs> whatever the, whatever they're doing. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's that weird that this that the reptilians can't read uh or understand aquatic cuz it's I mean, they know, can though. They can talk to them. I, I You know, it's just uh, reading. Yeah, okay. It's just reading is the weird thing. Yeah, I was I was thinking like, well, you know, I can't speak Russian mm-hmm. and I can't read Russian, <laughs> but, uh, it's usually, I guess it usually goes the other way where like a lot, is it, you can reading, can reading read is it, usually easier. Yeah. Reading is usually easier to infer something than speaking just cause you can reread the, the passage over and over again. You know? Sure. Sure. And there's, there's no like dialect yeah. involved and stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah it's kind of. I think this whole episode. Yeah, I think it would. I think the whole episode is just made of stuff like that. Like Hoshi's suicide attempt feels bizarre to me, and then they just plug her back down and sit her back and do the. Well, thing that was. Again. The, I I was. That's the first thing I was thinking was like, if I was Hoshi and I was in that situation, you kill yourself immediately. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like you, you are the one thing stopping them from from uh, blowing up the the earth. You try to kill yourself as quickly as possible yeah what i couldn't what i was very surprised about and couldn't really track is how they give her the brain slug thing and then she just like tricks them yeah she fakes it doesn't it doesn't do anything she fakes them out and so they got to give her the double brain slug and then she's (laughs) then that gets her yeah it was a little it was a little weird um it's just it's 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 not story it's plot and it's it's i would argue it's somewhat badly done plot because they they do things to kill time like Hoshi not being susceptible for the to the first dose. And it's not that that changes anything. It just gives you a 45-second scene where she tries to run away from them, and then they capture her, and they do it again to her. And it's like, okay, what did this accomplish to us? Nothing, really. Right, right. So to me, it feels like the episode is a lot of killing time to get to those points, although I do agree. I don't think it has a story, but it does have occasional good character moments. I think that... Uh, the Mako and Reed thing, I think, is a good place to start off. It, they completely didn't earn this, but I understand what they were trying to get to with Hayes mm-hmm. and Reed. It really, I don't know if I've just worked myself up this way, but it really reads sexual when those two have scenes together. It's just, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it is. they talk to each other so mm-hmm. sensually and they're so fired up about whatever the fuck they're talking about. It's just like every time he says mission, it's just you want to switch the word dick in there or something. He's just like, this mission is b- 
begging for your services. It's like, okay, guys, like, yeah, just calm down. I, I felt like uh, Hayes was a little bit more cooled off than Reed was in those <laughs> scenes. Where like Hayes, <laughs> Hayes is just kind of you know trying to trying to talk to somebody on a on a human level, and then every time they cut to Reed, he's like greased up, basically mm-hmm. emotionally, <laughs> emotionally greased up. <laughs> And he's he's just like he's got that like half turn on and his head's kind of like cocked back yeah. and he's you know he's he's a couple buttons away from just you know busting out through the front of his shirt. It it is it is it is odd. It is very strange. And I wish they would just go all the way with it. Yeah, and just have the two of them make out. It would be it's I I mean they screwed the makos up this entire. I don't even know if they screwed them up because they didn't do anything with them. They introduced them, and maybe it's our fault for assuming that characters being introduced in the beginning of a season are going to, who are on the ship with you for your journey, are going to somehow play into things. But outside of just a... They basically became glorified red shirts who are going to die, and you're not going to yeah. care, but the story can act as if their death has meant something to you. And that's what this guy last episode did where, you know, he's just the red shirt, no name character who goes down and gets wiped out. And then in this episode, Hayes incredibly unprofessionally, I think, runs in and is like, hey, what happened to that guy? What was was that? What happened to the guy? And Reed has to go, he fucking died down there. And and Hayes. I like I like that he doesn't even just say that. He tries to explain what happened. Where he's like, there was a big rope defense mecha like a, a it was a claw. <laughs> and he just it it, it grabbed him and it, uh, it, it he's dead. <laughs> There's no coming back. And it's I just like the reason that it screams sexual tension to me is that Hayes is the commander of this hard nosed marine unit, and he's like shaken by the fact that one of the marines is dead. You know, it like it knocks him off his game a little bit. He's like, well, I'm sure. I'm sure you did everything you could to stop him from dying. It's like, what? what is this guy? I don't understand where this character came from. I, I really don't like the Makos. And I think that what they tried to do here is okay. But even when you get to his death scene, it felt to me like Reed had been waiting for this guy to die so he could take his job and be like, I'm the commander of the Makos now, motherfucker. Like, I'm going to go in and do this. And I don't know. I didn't. I actually like that scene. I like when he went in and talked. When he and, talks and, to the uh, Makos? kind of took command of the Makos, yeah. Did you I like did. the death scene yeah. before that? <clears throat> it was fine. Um, I thought it was so fast. I thought it was like absurdly fast. Yeah, I fast. mean, it is. He's just like, hey, talk to Mackenzie. <laughs> <laughs> and Flox is, he's got like this huge bullet hole in his chest, and Flox is just standing there looking worried, and then he dies, and Flox gives him some oxygen or something. It's like, it's too yeah. late, Flox. I don't know. Cook. Kirk, have you ever fought the Zindi, but completely missed it because there's only four on screen at one time? I slept through the whole fight. I saw, I saw him. He is the. There is a Zindi that looks like Balthazar in the uh, in the finals, the, or the make, a Mako that looks like him in the final lineup. I don't know. What do you think about was, the Makos? Um, well, the so in in the in the the season of my in my head, what I was hoping you would get in this scene like as i was watching it i was like okay yeah i see what's eh, they're doing whatever sending the makos to go get hoshi in the back of my head i'm thinking like man imagine if they had spent an entire season of the makos like chomp champing at the bit to go in there and just like fuck some people up and archers 
saying no there's this like you know there's the the ethics thing going on that's not how we do things and then it comes down to it and arch is like go get hoshi do whatever you have to do and they're like yes crack their knuckles <laughs> and then they just the makos just you see what the makos can do yeah like they go over there and they just start like icing people that would have been cool that would have been great like that would have been a good um uh payoff for the makos to just to just be like finally you're gonna let these guys off the leash and do and do what they got to do to get Hoshi back, whatever it takes. Well, I, what I think is funny about it, and what I think can work in that way, is that the the Reed and Hayes conversation here is about how by working together they've come to appreciate each other's responsibilities on this ship. So, like, the, there's a distinction between the Makos and the Starfleet officers, which is that the Starfleet officers are in command, but the Makos are the military aspect of this, and that they have different responsibilities, and it plays into your idea there, but this season didn't do anything with that idea. There's, there's no, no, there's no touching on that aspect of why the, of the Makos having a different point of view than Archer about everything. And even if you pull it in at the end and say that the Makos serve their purpose or that they, you can go the other way, which is that the Makos kind of reign their own, probably more Star Trek way, is that they, the Makos and Hayes reign in their more militaristic aspects and embrace some of what Starfleet is trying to do with the mission. You know, mm-hmm. they, they lose their gung-ho-ness, which maybe they had more early on, and they become more, um, quote-unquote, civilized in the sense of what Star Trek wants them to be. Uh, anything like that, but it doesn't... All the all the beats are there. It's just it hasn't led to this. Really, is my big problem yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. I I I mean, I, I think they're a huge missed opportunity, <clears throat> especially given the story. Like we've said this a million times, given the story that they're do, they're telling and the 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 content. Are you drinking a Bud Light Lime? No, this is a Land Shark Lager. It's island style. What does that mean? It's Caribbean style beer, I suppose. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got con- I got concerned there for a second. I like Bud Light um, Lime quite a bit. Ugh. <laughs> you you would. Um. Yeah, they, they they've just been such a missed opportunity to to add a uh, a different story element to this very specific story they've been telling over the season. But it's just it's. It's so strange, and it goes to. Uh, I w- I was talking to uh, 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 Cordy uh, about Watchmen, <clears throat> our friend Sean, who who'd been on the show in the very early days. Yep, and he's he's the one who's always who's always like, uh, I wish they would write shows all at once so they know what they're doing. And he was talking about how much he loved Watchmen. And he's like, you could tell that they wrote that show all at the same time. They did not because that's just not how TV works. Not even with Watchmen. Yeah, they had stuff that they set up in the first episode that they didn't know how they were going to pay it off until they you had to pay it off. Um, but it's like I feel like there are some shows where you you set that table and you figure out what to do with those pieces, and then there's other ones where you just never figure out what to do with the pieces. Yeah, and this is one of those shows where I think they set the table pretty well as far as elements at play. But they just never figured out how to how to do anything with the pieces. I, I think my my problem with that, in the way that I think it's an, a weakness for Enterprise, is that this was a twenty four episode season 
where it's not a eight episode single season of television where maybe right. I could forgive in a pilot, you introduce something and you realize, oh, Jesus, I don't have time for this. You know, I'm just not going to be able to do anything. They went 21 of the 24 episodes without ever using the Makos in any way. You know, they just weren't interested <laughs> yeah. in, in involving them. They brought them up in the pilot and a couple handful of episodes later on. And it's just, it speak like you could even go 10 episodes without ever seeing them. And then in 11 and 12 and 13, have like really good Mako stories. And you go, oh, that makes sense why they did this the whole time. Yeah. But they, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't do anything with them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bummer. I think they, they are probably the biggest missed opportunity in this season for me, I think, so far. And I, I assuming nothing changes between now and the last episode, they, it feels like that's probably number one for me. Yeah, I, I assume they're just going to go on the mission. I, I, I even think to down to the fact that they made Reed the friend of the Chief Mako doesn't make much sense to me on a character level because they're not really foils mm-hmm. to each other. Like, right. Right. Uh, Hoshi. They should. Would they make should have sense. been on the same page. Yeah, they should both they be should agreeing have, about what's yeah. going on. Yeah, but they yeah. they played it as a job competition thing when that was never written into any scripts. And the only way that you would think right. that is because he is a lower level version of what Reed does. And it's like, mm-hmm. why would Archer prefer this guy? He's never talked to this guy. He doesn't know anything about what this Mako is supposed to do. There's, there was no there was no threat to Reed that entire time outside of Reed's own imagination that he thought something was going on, which even then you have to explore that. What does that mean? Where Reed is so insecure about himself that he's worried about what this guy is going to, going to do and he can't do his job as well. I, I found right. it, I found it un, unsatisfying. I suppose the other character moments are tripping to Paul, which I don't think kicks the, which I think kicks the can down the road a little bit and doesn't really substantively add anything to yeah. their relationship. Yeah, I liked the scene, but I was kind of expecting a little bit more from it. Um, Because, yeah, it's just... uh, First time she's called him Trip. It's the first time she's in the series she's ever called him Trip. Yeah, it is. It is like that scene overall is is basically just Trip going, the hell's wrong with you? And she's like, I don't know. (laughs) Are you going to get better? I don't know. I'm sorry I'm acting this Um, way. It's my ideal, argu- yeah, it's like, my ideal honestly, argument with the spouse, which is that you get you can say something mean, and then she'll, as you're walking out, she'll say, like, I'm sorry I acted that way. You go, you're damn right you acted that way. That was, that was inappropriate. Well, there was a weird... I was trying not to think about it this way, but there was this weird energy to this, this episode that felt like... Uh, it felt like a scene with a character like T'Pol written by a, a guy. Because it, it it was like it felt like it was like two clicks away from Trip going, is it your time of the month or something, mm-hmm. lady? You know what I mean? Yep. Like it was the, the stuff that they're doing with her is just so strange. Where she's just like, I'm I'm just I'm being so emotional. I can't deal with my emotions. And Trip, you know, I don't know. It's just that I I wish I wish they hadn't gone this route with her because I feel like it's so. Uh, I don't know what the the female version of emasculating is, but it's emasculating for Tapal. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. I even even without the intent of doing that, I think that making the female Vulcan more emotional will only probably play into those kind of tropes that way, where it's right. like, well, now yeah. it seems yeah. it seems a little bit awkward that she's this character who can't handle it. Yeah, because like because she doesn't. We said I've said this a million times. You can. 
do this kind of change without it have without it being this like huge debilitating crutch for her you know like yeah. this uh it, it worked for spock spock eventually started to embrace some of that stuff a little bit more without completely losing his mind over it yeah um i don't know why they couldn't do this in a more like uh respectful is not the right word so like uh so, more, yeah, more subtle, subtle, uh, subtle way yeah and just have her have this natural character change that can be influenced by the things that are happening and the situations that she's in and, and that kind of stuff without it being due to a, uh, a drug addiction thing, which they thankfully they haven't brought up in a, in, since it's happened. But it's just, it's, it's that level of she's got, she's got the DTs, the emotional DTs and it's fucking her up. And it's just like, I don't. Blaylock. Yeah. Blaylock in the um, oral history had an interesting quote where she, um, I don't think she liked the show judging from the oral history, but she, uh, she didn't the whole show. She didn't like the whole. Show. She 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 specifically doesn't like the the writing for her, and she brought up a mm-hmm. good point that I never considered, which is like they would have to Paul say things like, "This is exactly like Shakespeare's Macbeth," and I would go, "Don't the Vulcans have their own books that this character can talk about? Like why why is she mentioning humanity stuff?" And I hey, think, you've never you've never heard Shakespeare until you've heard of the, the original, original Vulcan. I I but I think that. The point there works, which is that in a more in a more subtle or graceful evolution, it would move from you could take something like her talking about Shakespeare, which starts the series where her talking about Vulcan stuff, and eventually she's sure, talking more right. about human like human stuff. And there's a she can w- without particularly seeming more emotional, there can be like an adoption of humanity that that she takes on in a much more graceful way. The addiction thing cripples her because. It's so sudden. It's it's written to be a weakness. So she's like trembling yeah. the whole time she's doing something. She's like, oh, right, God, right. so much emotion. And it's it, it's like buffoonish. That trip is like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> it's like she's, she's completely yeah, like he's insane. Not, he's, yeah, he's being – he's not being an asshole about it. But like he, he is fairly um, – He's very disinterested in what's going on. yeah. But, like what once once she kind of explains it he he warms up to her a little bit more but I guess he's a little bit more cool at the beginning cuz she's acting so weird and she's not uh not talking about it. It ha- it just has this that scene just has this weird I think she's so different you know, though. Sorry. She's so like in the context of what the show is, she's acting crazy for herself. This is right. this is not how yes. they're supposed yeah. to act and no one seems Everyone is kind of treating her like she's a human who's having a bad day and like, oh, stay away from T'Pol. She's a little, a little edgy this morning and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. They should be, if not noticing it, like you have to sort of pay attention to the script of being like, yeah, Archer's too busy thinking about the Zindi super weapon to care about what T'Pol is doing. And I never really get that sense because we've had so many scenes where Archer and Trip go, what's wrong with you? <laughs> she doesn't say anything about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is such a strange choice. I I'm I'm really curious to see what they do in with her in season four, whether or not they just like hard reset or if they try to stay. Because like it's 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 just so I and I I think it undercuts the relationship 
angle with her and Trip as well. Because like it's so it would be so much more satisfying if their relationship was just an organic relationship. Yeah. Instead of this byproduct of her meth addiction or whatever. And time you know? travel. And no, yeah, knowing and the time future. travel. Yeah. 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 The, the, yeah, one, it's, the scene yeah. I did like about them, even though I think it uh in the context of what's going on makes somewhat not much sense at all, is that uh they've they fixed up the Archer's dining hall room, his like private dining quarters. Yes, yeah. I liked that. I like that scene because it reminded me of it's like it is nice to see it's a the show referencing that the Zindi thing is almost ending and they're they're all very anxious to get over with the Zindi mission and once they go back to their life, Tapal's like, Maybe I'll join Starfleet and they're like, Oh, that would be fun. Mm. Uh good to see you in a Starfleet uniform. The the pop- And they've got They've also got that nice bit, which is like the kind of organic relationship writing that you'd want to see, where he's talking about buying Archer a drink, and then he's like, "What about you?" And her first reaction is, "Yes, yeah. you are. You can buy me a drink." You if you drink. He's like, yeah. "No, what are you gonna do?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know she she's thinking about the hanging out with him. Yes, not the what's the next. You know that that's nice. I like that scene. I thought that was good. Yeah, that that's good. I my my only problem with it is that I'm incredibly distracted by. Where is Chef getting his beef from at this point? Yes, <laughs> and and um, saving the beef for a rainy day, I guess. The the captain's dining hall. I understand thematically they want to show it's a kind of fig, but low priority place to fix. I think really when the, yeah. when the other parts of the ship are still sparking and guys are working on it with like soldering irons, the captain's dining yeah. hall seems not the best place to to dedicate that effort That's, to. <laughs> That's that's like the that's like the second act of of a uh, of a, a a Napoleonic era tall ship movie. Yeah, where yeah. it's like they fixed the captain's eating area first, and all the other guys on the ship are like, they fixed his area first. <laughs> Won't we go kill him? You know, guy, that's where the just a guy comes from a guy bailing water out with a pail as as the uh, the boat's sinking or whatever. <laughs> He's over there eating steak. <laughs> My apologies to England. Um. Also, a nice mix of England and Napoleon. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I said Napoleonic era. Era. Sure. I didn't say it was France. <laughs> um, what was? There's a third character moment. Am I just forgetting it? Is there a third one? Um, no, that might be it. It's the two trip into Paul. Oh, I, in the uh, the Archer and Hoshi thing, which I liked. I I wish that Archer forcing Flux to do that had a little bit more uh, weight to it because i really like that moment i do like archer having to be like sorry like you got to get her out of here i i don't care yeah. if this kills her we got the we got the fate of the universe waiting on our shoulders um but that's it out do you have anything else about these character moments because i think that's pretty much it and the rest of what i have to say is just about the general um purpose of this episode no that's pretty much it uh the one the one thing I did like, this is not really a character thing, but I, this is probably the only place it would make sense to bring it up, is um, when they're when they're when they're all rushing around getting ready for the final battle. There's this one like tracking shot of a, of a Mako running into into frame, grabbing like two guns and then running to the door and whacking the door button with the gun. <laughs> I was just like, that is that is not safe. I, you know, you don't you don't whack the door button to open the door with a loaded gun. It's uh, John, Sean's, uh, Sean Murphy's um, 
trigger discipline obsession. You <laughs> 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 find it very upsetting. I, I hope someone got <laughs> fired for that blunder. He's he's just the Leonardo DiCaprio gif of pointing at the TV with a cigarette. He's watching this scene. Um, yeah, so the only outside of the character stuff, and I don't think that this story, this episode, really has much story to it. I think it's mostly a plot thing where mm-hmm. I don't really mind what they've done here, which is that Commander or whatever his name, Dolum, the lead reptilian guy, is just a just generic villain character i think the performance is fine for what this is but it's just like generic evil guy who you know betrays yeah. his own side when he blows up the zindi or the the insectoid guy who has questions about what's going on and <laughs> that was that was funny i like that i like that scene <laughs> torches hoshi that was very much uh that had big um <clears throat> you ever, you've, you've seen uh wet hot american summer mm-hmm it had big uh, van swerving off to the road to throw the kid out, out, out of the van. Sure, yeah. Um, when he asked too many questions, energy. It is. I. This those, is a, those guys were just so. I found everything they did to just be hilarious. The Whether reptilians? it was that. Yeah, or when they're dealing with Hoshi, I kept expecting them to be like, you're going to, you're, you're going to figure out the language of the aquatics. And then after that. You're going to show us all how to put music onto our iPods because we just cannot figure it out. Like it was, it was very strange. Yeah. It's it's a weird abduction to ultimately, ultimately, in my eyes, not really um, be worth the time that they dedicated to this because plot wise, Hoshi puts up a fight, but it's not really relevant at all. It feel it just feels like a killing time spinning your tires kind of story here where something's got to be going on that they can check in with. The camera has to have a reason to go to the, the Wazindi mm-hmm. weapon occasionally. Yeah. O- outside of that... How come... Sorry, finish your thought. No, it's... And then I'll jump in with my... No, my th- that's fine because I'm, I'm closing in on like my final thing. So if you have a related tangent on that, it's fine. Well, I was going to say, how come, again... Why can the Guardians, <clears throat> who are time-traveling, interdimensional people, why can they put their thumb on the scale? Yep. But Daniels is just out there being like, well, you know, you got to do it for yourself. I keep expecting Archer. in those Guardian white fog room scenes, so just the camera as it goes from one Guardian, it just pans over and Daniels is just like eating or something. At like, you know, just, <laughs> they've laid out a buffet and he's just there enjoying some food. I don't know why. They drastically interfere. I guess they justify because the the possible plot threads have whittled down to one, and we need to really make yeah. sure that this thing happens. But it's just a there's plot. You know, as far as the plot things that you're talking about, like being kind of jumbled, like I could not wrap my brain around. They're trying to uh, Trip and Tapal are trying to develop a way to disrupt one of the spheres, which would then disrupt all of the spheres. Yep. But that's not something that they end up doing. Like, they figure it out. They just don't. They're like, all right, we got this. We don't need to deal with this right now. And then later, after the the weapon disappears, the aquatics are like, you told us you'd do that first. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we should do that. Why didn't they do that before? So they couldn't use the spheres as weapons? I don't know. It's just a weird, one of those strange... uh, I assume plot things, which it seems like it makes more sense than I think it does. I assume they're doing it next episode. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess I just couldn't figure out like strategically 
it, like it seems like it's only there to to uh, uh, cause them to not be able to go after the the weapon. Yeah, you know what I mean, I I think it's flimsy all over because the the Zindi clearly have a deep interest in shutting down the spheres because it's what convinces the aquatics immediately to go work with humans, right? So that, the, that the, was another thing. The, this race that, that takes was forever just to another... decide it has been yeah. waiting for this moment. They're waiting for someone to do something about the spheres. Why Why did the Zindi not know anything about the spheres? There's nothing stopping them from exploring. They'd be like, yeah, we've been studying these things for 60 years. There's a door? There's a door? It's like, what have you guys been doing? Why, why didn't you figure it out? I just, I think the whole setup is flimsy and it just serves as they needed something to offer the Zindi to convince this last race to do something and it's all just plot strings that have to be pulled in order to keep yeah. this drama going. Yeah, I thought that was funny too when when the insectoid guy has their revelation about the spheres and it was again, it was all all of this stuff hinges on Archer telling them stuff about the future. Yeah. And then them kind of being like, well, seems plausible to me. And that was one moment where the insect was like, didn't that guy say the thing about the guardians <laughs> in the sphere? <laughs> I mean, maybe we should abandon this plan yeah. now. Yeah. At no. least, at least the the reptilian, at least the reptilian ha- w- is the f- <laughs> the first person to actually call out the fact that Archer just showed up and caused a civil war to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just because he's like throwing around bullshit time travel stuff. Yeah, he's di- he's a disruptive presence, uh, an, a negative agent or something. Yeah, I. I I feel that this episode is is a fitting way for Enterprise to try to wrap up a season long arc, and that they're going to take two episodes to just be an action sequence. Um, I <clears throat> I think this episode, only got one left though, right? There's one left, but it's th- one this left. one okay. and the next. I assume the next one's going to be action sequence too, because they have to shut down the weapon. Um, I just think that time travel episode, Wes. It's I, I think thirty five years in the future. <laughs> I think that Enterprise. I think I think this episode was good enough, but I don't really. I don't come to this franchise for this stuff. Really, I just don't think it works terrifically. It doesn't hold my attention. Yeah, I think that the Zindi weapon battle sequences all look kind of cool. I wasn't sure why the Enterprise hitched a ride within the Zindi aquatic ship, even though it looked kind of cool to have it come out of it. But whatever they need to do. You know, I like all that stuff, but at the same time, when there's nothing, when there, when there's no meat on the bone here about like stuff going on as this battle is raging, it really mm-hmm. feels just kind of a hollow episode where I know, I know what's going to happen next episode. They're going to stop the weapon somehow. They're going right, to yeah. board that thing. I imagine they're going to blow up that giant spinny thing in the middle of it because that's typically how you blow up these things that work that way. Well, as as we learned from the one sphere that they found their way into, <clears throat> the universal flaw apparently in all planet-sized spheroid devices is the exhaust port. Yeah. Had it on the Death Star, had it on that sphere. It's the just, weapon probably has one too. You got to you got to exhaust somehow. You know what I mean? I just there's nothing really wrong with this, but I don't Yeah. I don't this is not a great two-parter. Not that it is a two-parter, but it's not. You know, I was, 
It was more like, oh, I wish I wish we could just get to the next episode and just kind of wrap this one up because I was feeling a little yeah. bit like the the dining hall scene with Trip to Paul and Archer in this one is a little bit of the writers letting their own inner monologue go and where the char- they're writing into the characters like, boy, it'll be great when we just get back to Earth and we don't have to deal with these indie guys anymore. And that won't be that fantastic <laughs> because I feel that way as an audience member. It would be so cool if next season to Paul actually joined Starfleet, wouldn't it, guys? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think the telling thing about it and is that we we talked about the, the, the character sequences that we liked, and with the exception of maybe the, the Archer and Hoshi one, they are all separate from any of the plot stuff that's happening. It's all like side stuff, you know, yeah. like the T'Pol and Trip stuff is side stuff. The, uh, season long side stuff, right? Like not, yeah, not totally season long side stuff, not irrelevant, but something else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But basically, my point is that, like, kind of like what you're saying, the action and the plot isn't really in service of of anything, like thematically, yeah, or character wise, or 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 story wise. It's it's very plot, like it's it's very much plot, but it's not it's not a lot of like you don't care about it as much as you as you could if if the stuff they've been building to for the whole season was was more like built into that yes. instead they're giving you like these separate separate like chunks of it that are not part of really part of the plot that they're throwing at you to finish everything out yeah like if this is the if chasing down the weapon is the culmination of the mako and starfleet difference of opinion about how to do things like that like there's there's character work that's servicing the ticking time bomb of tracking down this weapon at the same time. Like there's a, there's a reason for those plots to be paired against each other. There's a reason for Archer to be desperate and be willing to risk and sacrifice, Ho- sacrifice Hoshi at the very, at the very end of this. I just don't think that any of it has been built effectively. And it comes down to the, the, the weakness of the season, I think is that they, tried from the very start to do a season-long story and it's just every chance they had to somehow connect it or make it be about something the show doesn't do it It, it's like we're Mm -hmm. we're not going to actually touch on what this season is implying we're just going to do standalone star trek episodes and so when you get to the end of it the past couple episodes have just been an exposition dump and action sequences and they're trying to justify how they've gotten to this point through these exposition dumps and making incredibly like um, far reaching species uh, like stereotypes, like the aquatics take a long time. What are you going to do? That's the way the plot works. And it just ends up feeling like, Oh, this is pretty flimsy and I'll be happy to see the Zindi go when they disappear after this season, because I don't think they've added much to the Star Trek franchise. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. I mean, I, I, that being said, I do think that they're they're doing what they can with what they have to round it out, and uh, I don't think I don't think they're completely dropping the ball. Um, I think what they're what they're doing with the stuff they have is is fine. And uh, by the end of this one, I was you know looking forward to seeing what happens next. And uh, I, <laughs> it is kind of weird to have the. <laughs> you know, you think about the great cliffhangers of of Star Trek, and you've got your big uh, dolly swing over to Riker when he says to fire on Picard and stuff. 
And then in this one, it's we can't go after the weapon because we promised these squid guys that we'd fix their car, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it doesn't quite have the same gravitas to it. Um, but it's like I feel like they're doing what they can with what they have. And, uh, and, uh, the fact I think that they, I think what they did with the Makos in this episode is like, I do think it's a bit of a salvage of 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 the Makos because they've been such a missed opportunity. <clears throat> they actually do manage to get some pathos and a little bit of emotion out of it, given the uh, uh, the scene with with Reed and the and and the major there, and then the major getting killed and stuff, and then all the guys stepping forward at the end. Like I think I think they get some stuff out of that. Um, I also mm. really like the transporter thing where he's in the middle of beaming and he gets shot. Yeah, he gets that shot. was fun. That is fun. You don't, really yeah. see, you don't see that very often. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I um, I don't. I guess I would agree. I don't know if I'm being overly harsh on the series at this point, but I just don't. Saving like these kind of saves in the eleventh hour don't. Imp- it's like Janiah Twain doesn't don't impress me much. I suppose like that's that's the verse that's the verse that they don't play on the radio <laughs> is what she talks about. Talks about the okay so you're jonathan archer shania we have some notes about your uh, latest single um <laughs> who knew who knew shania is such a big trekkie <laughs> these are deep star trek cuts um i i just shania this this outro darmok at Gillette, what does any of this mean <laughs> this isn't gonna play at the grand Ole opry <laughs> these people are drunk god damn it they need simple simple lyrics um, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it's salvaged much. Like I, I don't know. It just feels like Braga had an idea at the start and he was like, we'll kick it off this way. I know how it needs to wrap up and we'll spend an interminable amount of episodes in the middle, not getting to that point and not really even, not even doing standalone episodes that thematically resonate and show you some kind of archer change of perspective like some of them mm-hmm. vaguely touched on things like that but not enough to really make it feel like it was a, a cohesive project from the start and we get to countdown and all the effects and weapon chasing and ships chasing is not that interesting to me from a star trek perspective i, I was expecting more to to get to the countdown um but we'll see what happens next episode i think yeah, cat and mouse stuff isn't interesting unless it's it's anchored to something that is yeah. interesting. And they didn't really have much of an anchor in this one. Let's take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back. We'll read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about Countdown. I told him I was ready for duty. I'm afraid he's a bit of a motherhead. How's <laughs> Insensato? Her bio signs are stable. Thank you for bringing her home. All in a day's work. Use Mackenzie. What? She knows the team. Rely on her. No more of that talk. That's an order. Cargo stimulator. Step away, please. 
Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the show today and our discussion of Countdown. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash the Penske file, patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff, extra podcasts. We covered Battlestar Galactica's miniseries. We did some Star Trek rewatches, some old TOS episodes, Omega Glory. We, we have in the children show. We should do. We should do Final Countdown, the movie, because I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. And I only recently found out what the plot of that movie is, and it sounds very interesting. I believe it's it's about an aircraft carrier that gets sent back to World War II. Sure. And they have to decide whether or not they should intervene in World War II mm-hmm. and win the war because they have futuristic technology. Yeah. It's the plot to 2009 Star Trek, basically, except Nemo or Nero is uh, a little bit oh, less yeah. uh, less ethical about things. <laughs> um, Patreon.com slash the Penske file, all that stuff. You get to vote on what we cover. Extra podcasts. It's good. It'll secure the entire Voyager deal for everybody. We'll watch every episode of Voyager if we keep our current levels going. And a special thank you goes to our captains, who are also available to join the Discord and have the uh, the captain server, which is just their space. Special thank goes to Tark Latif, Samuel Custer, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, uh, Mike Burnett, Andrew Sherlock, Matt Ross, Michael Pond, Christian Pouch, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergey, Grim Santo, Sean, Cardinal Doomsday, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Kevin Reyes, Fall 13 Hero, Jordan Cooper, Russell Ellis, Darth Moss, HH28, Stefan Minton, Derek Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Point Extra G, Patrick Siba, Dave Davies, Johnny Franceschi, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric Sanchuan, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Nick the Rat, Disbretta, Rahan Jaffer, Edmark Starr, Grapple John Zorn, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardieu, Retail, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter's EWNF Remixes, Captain McMunchausen, James McLennan, Beal, Lokai, Jonas, Tommy Tango, Two Vicks Must Die, Chris McLaughlin, and Mutilated Puppet. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the show. <gasps> you made Voyager possible when it comes up in a little bit of time. And now let's go to Patreon Thoughts. If you're a patron, you can leave well, your now- thoughts. Now we just saw the trailer for Prodigy, so we can't do Voyager until we finish Prodigy. Yeah, well, are we, we'll are we gonna, to... I, don't, I, I assume we're not going to do that show, are we? No, I might. I was, I was considering showing Alistair it and have uh, kids. People hate kids on podcasts, but I was, I was considering like having him give his thoughts about it. But I, I don't think that'll go over well. I might. Yeah, I might watch the pilot and do something about it. But yeah, I was it, thinking. It, I, it I was like, probably going to check it out. It look it's it's Star Wars. I I just yes, it's big Star Wars energy. It's yeah. just Star Wars. So, like and I don't know that trail. My two thoughts about it were it's Star Wars and this is incredibly dark for a Nickelodeon kid show. I was not expecting this kind of like trauma to be occurring early on in the season. Maybe that's just the first five minutes, and after they get the ship, it like lighthearted adventures is the way to go. But it was very dark. Anyway, patron comments. You leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes if you're a five dollar and up patron. First one is Matt Ross, who says the Zindi are stupid. You need three IDs to fire, and the device is helpless as it powers on. The fish people were convinced based on suddenly realizing they have nothing, and we're uh, we're human haters after seeing a video. The reptilians don't know the difference between cryptography and linguistics, or question why their future help gives them no information. Yes, to Paul needs some trip special sauce. We get it. Reed is still a dick, and then the better security guy buys it. At least the firefight was fun. Three ball chases out of five. That's the next one. Kyle Barrett says, 
Countdown, sadly, this isn't the Channel 4 quiz show countdown that gave us the legendary Carol Vorderman, but it's still a pretty good episode despite that disappointment. In many ways, the council felt like an end to this arc, at least thematically, and this is the first in the two-part race against the time action climax. I always like seeing Linda Park given time to shine, even if this torture storyline is the most gratifying, but Hoshi trying to kill herself is almost as shocking as to Paul calling Tucker Trip for the first time. Scott McDonald deserves some praise for managing to do a convincing eye twitch under all that makeup, but Dolem needs to fire his interior decorator for putting carpet in a prison cell. Oh, and those ship destructions at the end are pretty damn awesome. Four out of five. So is the f- is the last episode like a an extra long episode? No, it's just an hour long, I think. <clears throat> oh, okay, I got confused because he said two parts, so I th- I didn't know if he meant. Oh, I think he means this part, the, including the, the this one. one or the next yeah. one. Yeah. Royo says countdown represents a horrific tonal shift for the serious episodes, going from showing us the psychological damage senseless loss of life can do to the mind, to seeing the show regress into having all the nuance of a 1940s sci-fi serial with unsatisfying uh, Diablos. Diablo sex mocking that's showing up in the writing. The villain kidnaps Hoshi so she he can tie her up and do diabolical things to her while she screams at the camera, all for the sake of powering up the death ray that will destroy Earth to fulfill his dastardly ambition. Voyager had a holodeck recreation of the old Flash Gordon serials that was meant for fun, but seeing Enterprise essentially try and play the Flash Gordon-esque scenario dead straight is kind of embarrassing. Dolan kidnapping... Don't kidnap Hoshi to crack a code because he personally isn't good with languages, even though he has a crew who could do the work for him. And as Hoshi points out, she's not a cryptographer. This doesn't make even, even make any sense at all. I'm fluent in English, but I can't crack the U.S. military launch codes. It's clear they just needed a damsel in distress to get rescued. The episode is an unironic sci-fi throwback that in context is not appropriate for the end game of the Zindi arc. 1.5 out of 5. Voyager has a... Flash Gordon hologram holodeck program. Yeah, that's Voyager's um, thing. Not the Flash Gordon, but Voyager likes um, like very early twentieth century serial stuff. Is it just like Chakotay in there going? Gordon's alive. (laughs) Don't get me started on this goddamn movie. We did. We covered Flash Gordon on the Patreon, and I hated it. Check out patreon.com slash Lipensky file if you want to hear that. Lots of life. life Archie says, Trip, I love you, but we only have 14 hours to save the earth. (laughs) I want to. No, no, Zindi asking what the name of this planet is. A lot of librarians says, Countdown, the Reed and Hayes relationship was the best part of this episode. If Hayes had lived, they might have ended up together. Three anomalies out of five. It's true. He's just so. So, so fraught. Uh, Nick the Rat says, how the hell do aquatics build or do anything? I wonder how Hawkins, what Hawkins' report said. He climbed a wall and got vaporized like a punk. Sato was Malcolm's friend. Did they ever speak to each other? Did Malcolm pull the plug on Hayes when he said, shut the fuck up, that's an order? The space fight looked pretty, 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 pretty good. Four out of five. Point G says, Major Hayes' death could have been really powerful and meant a lot if they'd have used the character properly. There was so much wasted potential with him. They had a great idea with him in the Makos, but they just didn't execute it. The Sphere ladies borrowing the Prophet Celestial Temple from DS9 is quite comical to me. I didn't mention it because it seems unnecessary, but um, tying into what I think is the laziness of the season, most of the stuff here feels borrowed from stuff that is contemporarily happening two other series sure. like Battlestar sure. and the Prophet storyline from DS9 basically combined to make this storyline, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still I 
I the uh, <clears throat> those guardians are. I don't know. They're pretty lame. Pretty bad. Yeah. I I don't. I did kind of like that. I did kind of like that one conversation she had with the uh, the reptilian guy though, where, where she was like, "Hey man, there's a lot of timelines. I see a lot of timelines. Okay, <laughs> don't pin me down, buddy." <laughs> and he. Should be a little bit more I don't see forceful. see a ring on this finger. Yeah, he should be a little bit more forceful in asking for information about what's going on. But I, it's just that they didn't have time to sell this religious deification of them. Like if they if they treated yeah. them as religious characters, maybe you'd be like, oh, I understand why they're fulfilling the prophecy or whatever. But they they didn't have time to do that. Christian Pouch. Well, that's says, why you're in this weird. I was just gonna say that's that's why you're in this weird situation where we were kind of predicting on like who was gonna be the villain, and. At, to, at, for the end of the season and I was like well it's got to be the reptilians because the guardians don't mean anything they're just yeah. there like they haven't the reptilians you've been dealing with the whole season and so to have the split happen it makes sense that the reptilians are the bad guys which is more or less what they're doing um, the guardians are when just, they do anytime oh go ahead sorry no go ahead well the, the guardians are just the uh, Zindi's version of Daniel's yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar outfits now too that I'm thinking about it. Except Daniels's looks like it's made out of like uh, old tires or something. <laughs> He's the the Michelin Man's evil brother, <laughs> just the dark Michelin Man. Christian Pout says, "Countdown, good, exciting action, but the closer you look at the details, the less satisfying this arc becomes. More tell instead of show, and there's so much to tell, it all feels rushed." Reed and Hayes have an awkward conflict with a bizarrely abbreviated conclusion to Hayes' character. Dolem is selectively an idiot. Clearly, he wants to be the top lizard, but he's ignoring shit and doing dumb things that will get him into trouble. Action is a 4 out of 5, at least, but the rest is at most a 3 out of 5. And then the final comment. Uh, Yarpy says, Countdown. This episode feels a little bit like we need to stretch the story arc. doesn't have the urgency the storyline should have. Nice to see some work being put into the sphere builders, but they should have been brought up a bit sooner. The death of Hayes didn't have the impact it could have. Should have used it more. Three and a half stars out of five. Thank you, patrons, for your thoughts. Thank you for leaving your thoughts at patreon.com slash the Penske file and for supporting the show. Clay, mm. patrons thought it was fairly middling. A couple fours, a couple twos and ones, and then threes from the rest of everybody else. What are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? Uh, I'm gonna go three. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's not blowing my hair back, but it does does what it has to do, and it's got a lot of plates spinning. And it's, yeah, I think it, I think it handles them well enough for for what they for what they got and and how much time they have to end it and stuff. So I, it's, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I'll give it a three as well. Um, I sound negative on these recent ones just because I think that this arc is relatively unsatisfying and uninteresting. Yeah, uh, but it is. For like an enterprise action episode, it's pretty competent at what it's doing. Um, it doesn't step on its own toes. I think that any of the weaknesses comes down to the fact that there's just nothing uh, on the bones of what the the plot demands here, and there's a kind of emptiness mm. to this that I I feel makes this show not really rewatchable because there's just nothing. There's rewatching this episode would not give you. Addition, there's nothing you'll pick up on a second watch. You know what I mean? You'll be like, right? Yeah, yeah that's what it yeah. was. Like I, I can't revisit this and go like, oh, they they layered that well or something. I wasn't expecting that. This early scene with T'Pol is really paid off later, and I completely forgot about it. There's just nothing like that in it. So it's a three out of five. It's fine, but it's not. It's not. Um, 
it's not it's got me excited for the last episode just because I want this season to be over at this point because I think they've they've run out of gas completely. Hey man, I'm excited. I'm all about closing things out. I just finished my 45-hour biography audiobook about George Washington. I'm ready to close out season 3. Uh still got a ways to go on Friday the 13th and <laughs> Batman though, but hey, we're going to have a crossover pretty soon actually What's in that? September. We'll be doing um, uh, Jason Goes to Hell, which features uh, Stephen Culp, who plays Hayes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's all yeah. connecting. And the uh, you guys have had a couple badass episodes, I think, written by the Garfield, the Stevens, the husband and wife writing duo, and they joined the show of Enterprise in the fourth season. Oh, really? Season. Yeah. Judith and Garfield oh, no Stevens, I think their name is. Is that so why coming. the Riddler shows up on the Enterprise next season? Yeah, the the question mark outfits just really make a lot more sense when you when you look at it that way. But they're fairly respected um, novel writers for Star Trek, so oh cool, uh, it'll be cool. interesting. I'm I'm the fourth season has a bunch of I don't know if you know this, but the fourth season I haven't seen any episodes, uh, but it it exists as two to three episode mini arcs that they run for the entire season. So the episodes oh, run for like three okay. parters and it's a single story and then they start a new one after sure. those three episodes. I'm kind of into that. I, I, we were talking um, recently, I think on Patreon about, I, I just, I've been watching the 66 Batman. Yep. And uh, it's the only show I can think of that ran two episodes a week, two half hour episodes that this, the first one ended on a cliffhanger. So it was one story split across two two nights and i was like i'm surprised surprised nobody else really ever did that unless they did and i just you know it's lost to the sands of time at this point um in treatment on hbo was really unique in that it was it's a therapy show where a character meets with different patients monday to friday and on friday he meets with his therapist but the season was structured so that it would air five nights in a row and then the next week, you'd get the same patients on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So there was a consistency. Like, so all the Monday oh, episodes for the five okay. weeks of the season are the five episodes that feature that Monday uh, character. Oh, who's sure. Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. It's neat. All right. Yeah. I like that. There's a lot of room that's to a lot play of- with that. It's a, it's a lot of filming. And when it airs, it's a very dense show yeah. to watch because it's like every night you're getting something new. But it's, yeah, it's that's neat a, to see that's that a big structure. Commitment. Yeah. Yeah, it is. In the in the era in the era before that stuff just being readily available to watch whenever you want. That's a big commitment. Yeah, and it also it kind of loses something just watching it on HBO streaming just cuz you can watch them as much as you want to get through it and it, it loses that sort of sense of this existing in a real world where you're meeting with the patient, but I just like the structure of you know what to expect. You can almost skip episodes sure. based on if you don't like that patient character. You can go to the I don't uh, like yeah. the Tuesday guy. I'll yeah. just skip him and go to the next one. Uh, that's it. Thank you very much. And patrons. then for sweeps weeks, for sweeps weeks, there's a scheduling conflict. Somebody <laughs> has to switch days. <laughs> some some characters saying, "I'm sorry, I had to I had to reschedule for today." And you're like, "Oh my god, this is throwing my whole TV watching schedule out of uh, out of whack." Tonight, Tuesday's patient is 25 minutes late. What will the doctor do? Make sure to tune in. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We're done with Countdown. We both gave it a three. We're one away. Zero hour is the last episode of this season. We'll get to that next week. Clay, you have anything you want to say before we go? Um, as I mentioned, we are on Patreon. We're doing Friday the 13th. Myself and Amanda, my co-host from Rotten Horror Picture Show. Um, 
is it August now when this is this episode comes out? This will be August. Yeah, it's like the second week of okay. August. So uh, that I think will be either right before or right after the thirteenth of August, which is a Friday. So um, if it's before that, then join us on the thirteenth. Uh, we're going to do something. Uh, special for uh friday the 13th i think we we're either going to do like a live recording of our of of part eight or um maybe just do like a general season kind of live stream thing where people can talk to us and throw questions or whatever and if this comes out after the 13th i hope you joined (laughs) us and i hope it was great so and we've got badasses still ongoing and rotten heart picture show we've got uh some fun spooky stuff coming up so check those out Yep. Yep. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Check out all the shows. Uh, PenskeFile.com has all the other shows. PenskePodcast.com is the Star Trek. It's on YouTube. Subscribe. Blah, blah, blah. Patreon.com slash the Penske File is where you want to go. If you want to support the show, that is the key to everything. It's the key to Enterprise Season 4. Uh, that's it. But unfortunately, fortunately, we need three of them. It's, it's, <laughs> everyone leave your thoughts it's probably too late now so hopefully you left your thoughts about the uh the season of ender for this one on patreon otherwise we're done thank you very much for listening and i think lower deck stuff will be happening soon in some way shape Ooh. or form i think this might actually be i watched that new trailer it's good and i i really enjoyed it yeah, yeah it's, it's I, I, I legitimately laughed a couple times <laughs> i think my favorite joke was the um he gets boingly gets shot or something, and they're trying to beam him out, and it's like the, yeah, the breaking up really of the funny. signal yeah. as he's screaming. <laughs> yeah, I like that, and I really liked the uh, um, the Darmok guy showing up yep. to work on the bridge. That was yep. pretty funny. Yeah. Yep. So we'll be back with that lower decks in some way, shape, or form. So see you then. We'll be back with zero hour next week. Have a good one.